This is a crowd podcast. Hello, George Groves here. This is Deck. Hello. This episode is available to watch on Boxing News' YouTube channel. Our guest is world cruiserweight champion Chris Billum Smith. Enjoy. Not many people in the world get to achieve that level of their dream because it felt like my life had just gone like that. I'll never top that night. I think it's important for me to know that. Andy Scott asked me on Sky Sports after that, how do you top this? And I was like, I don't. I never felt sad that that was it. I think maybe since I might have done a couple of times. Today we have another guest making their second appearance on the show deck. We do. And for very special reasons. This guy came on the show and since then has gone on to become champion of the world. WBO, World Cruiserweight Champion of the World, is of course the gentleman... What's your name again, mate? <laughs> Chris Billum Smith. Such a gentleman has taken him. How many months to come on here and talk about this? Months and months been letting us down, keeping us on the other side. He's been taking his time, kissing babies, waving at grandies, <laughs> helping him across the road. You know, now he's the champion. He's in. He's in incredible demand. So. Mm. Quite sad I didn't get the memo about the hoodies. Yeah, well, yeah, I feel like we're interviewing you. Yeah, it's, maybe um, we'll just flip it. What do you want to know? You got if, I'm we, the new win, a world, win a world title, day. Yeah, <laughs> get, <a hoodie. laughs> get the hoodie. <laughs> Yeah. Or you can buy one on the uh, on the link tree. Yes, you can. Uh, you can't buy this one, not the black one. Oh yeah, oh, no, that's limited. Uh, limited this is, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's better to be honest. Yeah, no, better. Than it. Wait, but, is it? Don't say that because they can buy the grey one still. They're still available. XL's back in stock, <laughs> and the hats. Uh, Chris is back in the club, and we've got a new setting. Like the first time we were in the old studio, now big time. Yeah, so. Had to do my hair today, as you can see. Yeah, I didn't. I was on camera this time. Yeah. Um, last time it was audio only. But no, um, thanks for having me on. So, as always, an honour to, to be on. And uh, yeah, got some. Didn't bring the jewellery with me, but uh, forgot to bring it with me. But yeah, <laughs> well, we're, yeah well, got the hoodie though. We, we got we got a line bike in, so I did did get a line bike in. <laughs> just in true, it's the first time I've got a line bike deck. I thought, yeah, influenced. Well, I that's to, the first time. I had to get one today. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to see deck. How did yeah. you find it? Yeah, good. <laughs> did, was it smooth? No well, I've, issues. I've, I've, George found it, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, Both, no, two uh, pedals, yeah. everything yeah, working no, order. Smooth, smooth. I've never ever been on an electric bike. It's nice, isn't it? A little booster. Yeah, yeah, I was like, pressed it. And I was like, George was like out in front of me. I was like, blow <laughs> because he wasn't on it. He wasn't mm. on the. Uh, that's he was on his own bike. bike. You get proper. Oh, you were on a normal bike. Yeah, yeah he was on his own oh, bike. He's lucky. Putting just, in the putting in the CV. Yeah. I pedaled yeah. yeah. probably. Same I reckon too. a tenth of the pedals that George did. Yeah. And so. look how fresh he looked for it as well. <laughs> <laughs> where, speaking of the belt, where'd you keep it? Uh, it's actually up. It went up the other day in the house. Um, we've had a bought a house last year, which we completed on the day of the weigh-in of the Isaac Chamberlain fight. Um, Finally moved in about a month ago. So we've been renovating it. My wife's an interior designer. She's done a phenomenal job. Um, so we've got like an extension and like a TV unit with like a library sort of around it, like um, carpentry around it. And there's like some holes in the top which needed filling. So I stuck one belt <laughs> up there. Belt shaped. And, uh, yeah. Basically, I had it out the other day for something. Um, I was going to one of my sponsors, uh, an event with them, and then um, had it in them. So I thought, I'll oh, stick it up. To what it looks like and then since then me has put up my other belts my commonwealth my european obviously i didn't get to you win. put them on the wall as well well she did yeah i didn't yeah <laughs> they'll so come what, down so as soon as we so need storage shout out yeah. the commonwealth boxing union yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout out commonwealth. Box of the year, and the yeah. Year, yeah. 
<laughs> and um, like Mia, your partner, your wife, who's an interior designer, has she color coordinated the, the the room before you won the belt or since you've won the belt? No, she, unfortunately, she. Yeah, I think that. I or think is she trying to paint your belt? Yeah, a different I mean, color? the 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 joinery is all like green so kind of kind of see what she's got in mind yeah because you but wbo (laughs) is is burgundy isn't it yeah like a burgundy yeah Yeah, yeah. color so yeah obviously mia wants she's a lot of the house is green and brass or gold so maybe she's got oh badu jack in her sights shout out marisa yeah (laughs) where did you keep your belts let's talk the wba one when you got it nice black belt lovely no karate yeah lovely it comes in this really cool case and it lives in a case underneath the sofa in a spare room in, in the study. That's what mine had done until last week. Yeah. Then I know where it is. Not that I remember to take it out and take it places. Stick it in the line bike basket. But yeah, it would work now. Yeah. It would work. What do you think of that? Do we? Right. Um, yeah. Did no, you get, I haven't it up on the wall. No. Did, did you get it on the night? Nah. I got Lawrence's one on the night. So let's talk us through this because I always think this is fascinating. So Lawrence turns up as the champion with his belt. Is that his one? They've yeah, given. so his one has his name on it. Um, so I have like his name, his nickname, what weight. And on WBO, they call it junior heavyweight rather than cruiserweight. Uh, so it's a junior heavyweight, 200 pounds. Then on the other uh, side, it will have um, where the date he won it and where he won it. Um, so yeah, so that is his one. Um, and I obviously boxed on the same show as him when he won. In, won, the, won in the bubble, wasn't it? Yeah, in now uh, Wembley Arena against Kovaski, March 20th, I think that was. Um, but then usually, obviously, you have a few photos, a few interviews, and then give the belt back. But I got stitched up, did a press conference, did a drugs test. It was half two in the morning, he'd left. And I hadn't given his belt back yet, and I felt really bad. And then I ended up giving it to his strength coach a couple of weeks later. So I had it for a couple of weeks, and yeah, not ideal because i don't really you know that's his belt he's he's earned that um but yeah they eventually sent me mine probably about four weeks after the fight maybe three four weeks after the fight um with a full range of gear so you get like a gym bag wbo gym bag wbo tracksuit wbo t-shirts wbo bottle openers pens books uh what else is there all the patches um, it's it. um, it's even more exciting than the belt. Yeah, I thought, like I thought the full tracksuit, yeah. and I've seen a video of Tiafimo Lopez wearing his full tracksuit, like dancing in some video. I was like, "What a legend!" Get, get mine out, and I love a full tracksuit. I'm, su- well, I'm, yeah, I'm a sucker for a tracksuit, mm. so uh, yeah, I haven't worn it out yet. Um, I should have worn it. Yeah, full kit wanker. You should have done <laughs> so that. It's like world champion down the sleeve and everything. Nice, <laughs> That's brilliant. Nice, that sounds great. I don't think I've got that on my belt in terms of like the. This is your belt with the names and that on the side. Mm. I don't think WA do that. Did you have to give? Because that, that sounds mine like... was vacant, so mm, yeah. maybe I because I don't I didn't have to wait for my belt. I got it on the night. I think because it. it was vacant and yeah, it stayed with me. Maybe mm. maybe that's why your it doesn't job. have any stuff on it. Yeah, so if it wasn't vacant, or I could get take it engraved. Back I like it as it is. Honest. Want, like, the date and it's like, like if you get a new watch and someone's engraved the inside, you devalue it really. It's not easy to devalue, yeah. but if you want to stick it on vintage, on vintage, on vintage, yeah. yeah. so your WBA belt. I'd like to know what it's worth. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I won't sell it. So but if I'd like your, to know if it's, it's worth. You, if more. it's got your name on it, I'd pay more for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe. Point. Mm. Otherwise, it's just any old belt. Just put GGBC on it. Yeah, could do. 
We're going we're to bring out our own range of, of belts. belts. And track suits. Apparently, people keep bumping into me and telling us that we are the number one boxing podcast in the oh, country yeah. now. Is that so, just at home? Keep no, bumping no. into your family. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just, my you say it again. just my yeah. youngest telling me. I can't even... <laughs> no, uh, but, and if that is the case, it should. I mean, why is there not a belt out there for it? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've always found that must be the biggest insult to injury, or maybe it's not, but having to hand your belt over to the person who's just beating you, like Lawrence, having to like leave without a belt literally because you're you need it for photos because you're the well, new champ I yeah no the... i think it's the other way around i think someone giving you your belt back feels like oh that's I, thinking yeah. i feel muggy doing it yeah. but you know it's the right thing to do yeah. but you feel like huh, here's your belt back mate <laughs> after just won it yeah. off you like you feel like muggy like yeah. yeah here's your belt for when you were champion like you feel muggy doing it so like, in... you have to do it so like and say so say in saudi do you give that belt goes to the commission then you don't have to hand it over. Lawrence can give it to you. It's like ringside, isn't it? And someone just... Yeah, yeah. The, the WBO the official was, would, yeah. would give it, gave it to me yeah. in the ring. And then I forgot to get... Well, I didn't really get a chance. I was a bit... Just rushed off everywhere. Mm. Yeah, Indies. never computed that, actually. Because you bring your belt so that... Yeah. If you don't bring your belt, you might forget your belt. But like, you bring your belt so I forgot. I've, I've turned ring. up to venues a lot of times, like Commonwealth uh, and... British and European belts. I forgot all of them on one occasion at least. And I've had to get send someone back from like um when I was obviously with matchroom like to get going up. It's in this room. Like oh, it's in my room, you know, like you have to go back. Oh, at least it. in the room. That's where you're in the bubble. Yeah. <laughs> got weight. I want to know what it feels like. That what that feeling. Can you put it into words and now the dust is settled? Because you know what it feels like. How what how do you put into words that feeling of like achieving everything you ever wanted to mm. and in the setting that you did it was phenomenal like Roy of the Rover stuff not many a tiny fraction of boxers will ever get that and it yeah. happened for you what, what did it feel like yeah I mean in, in the moment it was just crazy yeah obviously burst into tears um just because it was just perfect like um no oh yeah just burst into tears obviously then Mia gets in the ring gives me a massive hug while I'm on my knees and I'm just asking her like what's just happened because it felt like my life had just gone like that and like all the hard work had just gone so quick. I'm here I am and I've achieved my, for me, my ultimate dream, which is to win a world title at the stadium. Um, so it's hard to, people like ask me what it feels like. I'm like, well, imagine being like a little kid. I mean, I wasn't a little kid when I had this dream, but I was, you know, late teens um, when I started boxing. But like, imagine achieving your ultimate dream. Like most people, it's like, I don't know win the World Cup as captain of England for football, whatever. And um, that was my ultimate dream when I was a, a young kid. Still time, mate. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> you know, I won't be scoring own goals, but we'll, we'll bring that up another, another day. Uh, no, but um, yeah. Uh, and like, just everyone has different dreams, but like for me, it was my ultimate dream. Like, and it's like the pinnacle, like I'll never top that night, but I'm still very motivated. But... I'll never top that night. And I think it's important for me to know that rather than try and chase bigger things. Otherwise, I think I'll just end up going off the rails. Not that I, you know, drink or do drugs or anything like that, but I think it'd be really hard mentally to keep chasing that that feeling and, and that, um, I think motivation just changes. Um, but yeah, so it's just, a, it's basically that, like I've won a world title at AFC Bournemouth. Um, in front of everyone I needed to be there like everything was perfect about it getting out of the ring 
I got to hug my mum, my dad, my brothers, my mate who got me into boxing. I went round the ring. Um, I saw a guy who used to give me a lift back from my amateur club, like uh, which used to take me about an hour and a half on a bus. But after the sessions, I get an hour and a half bus there. And on the way back, he'd give me a lift, even though it was completely opposite direction for him. He'd go like an hour out of his way f- um, there and back to, to give me a lift home. And, so that's, and I saw him and I was like, and he's from like Stoke, so he bought a ticket to come down. He just loves driving. This <laughs> and he's, uh, yeah, he's a and legend. you saw him? I saw him on the ring, walking back from the ring to the change room. And then the last person I saw was my amateur coach. And that was just such a special, he just shattered Chris. And I just looked to my left. He was like, gave me a massive hug. He was, you did it, you did it. And I was just like, that was perfect. Like just to have, to see him, he's a, like the first person who instills that belief in you, traveled up and down the country for free with me. We've spent hours and hours in the car driving to Peterborough or Liverpool or, you know, all these places just for me to box for anywhere between six to nine minutes at a time. Do you know what I mean? And we'd spend days away from his family and stuff. So to, I've always had so much respect for him and obviously helped me get to the position where I got obviously the chance to work with Shane and yeah. And um, yeah, and he got to see him. So like everything about it was, was perfect. Like, um there's nothing the only thing you would change is like a last round dramatic knockout but that's so minor in the grand scheme of things but um yeah everything about it was just perfect and uh I just I know it can't be topped and I'm appreciative of that but like I said still so motivated for for what's next Hello everyone. I would like to tell you about what our friends at NordVPN are up to this November You lot know about NordVPN already. They are your go-to for when you're trying to get a good deal on pay-per-views or when you're trying to watch US coverage of a big fight and you need to change your virtual location. They also protect our privacy data, like banking details, passwords and online identity. We're fully signed up here in the Groves household, especially because it's super easy to use and it only costs the price of one cup of coffee, depending on where you get your coffee, each month. This year, NordVPN have teamed up with Movember, who are tackling men's mental health, suicide, prostate cancer, and testicular cancer. We're men. A lot of our club members are men, so it's a really good campaign for us to be involved with. During Movember, new and recurring NordVPN customers will have the chance to contribute one, five, or ten pounds to the charity, and NordVPN will then match your donation. It's so important for men to talk about their mental health and to look after their physical health too. But NordVPN will take care of your cyber health. So to sign up, go to nordvpn.com forward slash ggbc to get four extra months absolutely free and support Movember. Tell us about the fight, Chris. We've all seen the fight. Tell us what you was thinking and feeling throughout the fight. like. Yeah, even can we go right back to the first bell? Before the first bell, what are you thinking and feeling? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we had a chat uh, probably about eight weeks out. You were like, you know, this this fight can change your life. Like, zone in. Like, it's not just another fight. And that was quite important, actually, to me. Like, because I sometimes try and just take every fight as it's just another fight. But you're right to say it to me. And sometimes people get motivated in different ways. And I think I kind of needed that, like, just to give me that little bit extra. Um, and then you take that all the way to fight week and it's like, 
obviously I was ill on fight week, but sort of better by the Friday, Saturday, not hundred percent, but better. But then on the Friday we did a ring walk rehearsal. So I did the weigh in and I did the ring walk rehearsal. Um, and before it, I went and sat in my old season ticket seat, which I had in the stadium and just looked out on the pitch and thought, this is mental. And like those things were important to me to, for fight night, because I don't want to go into the stadium for the first time and see it all, you know, like my whole dream's just there. And I'm like, and the first time I see it is me doing my ring walk. Like I've got to visualize it. I've got to do all those things, which I usually do on fight day anyway. Um, like you go to the stadium and all the venue and do a little sort of walk through the ring walk. But yeah, that was important for me emotionally to get over that. Cause for me, it's like, like I said, it's my, my ultimate dream just to fill a stadium home stadium and fight for a world title so then it gets to fight night um and i was just zoned in like got to the venue very relaxed you came in before beforehand as well didn't you you came before and after i think came uh, before the fight yeah yeah but quite well i was gloved close you gloved up there yeah yeah so i was zoned in then but before like just there's a massage bench in there i was like dragged it out to the middle of the changing room laid on that for a bit and just chilled and just in that sense, took it as not another fight, but like just the process of part of the night, not like thinking like, okay, right, this is it. Like not getting nervous at all. Um, and it was just about being zoned in. And then when it was time to wrap up and get, get switched on, um, but you know, it's just doing all my hands wrap with Shane, my warm-up stuff with Ben Carraway. Um, and then, the pad work with Shane to, to warm up more. Um, and then, yeah, and then getting, they've planned to do the knock on the door because they had the videotape beforehand. Um, and then just did my ring walk and I was just like, didn't want to think about how good the atmosphere was or anything like that. Just walking down, I mean, walking down the side of the pitch towards the stage, just zoned in and I walk onto the pitch and then I just thought, I kind of want to appreciate it like in terms of like I don't know feed off the energy of it and I just look around yeah. and just nod like if you watched it back I look to my right towards the ring and I just nod like right let's do this and then gets on to to stage and I'm like wait for the chorus of hometown glory to kick back in and walk up the steps and then fireworks are off hands up in the air etc obviously then uh Nonny who sings Red Army kicks in and then Kano which is always always my ring walk and then I'm just yeah just laser focus in the zone get in the ring um and then Lawrence keeps me waiting for a bit when he's announced so I planned for that already because inside my robe I had a fleece lining so through dark do like my, my sponsor they do who design my kits shout out through dark massive shout out through dark they uh they always you know, providing all my stuff, but they designed my kits. And when we were designing it, I was like, I, I need some fleece because that stadium, I know where it gets like, even in summer, it's cold, like <laughs> at night. And I'm like, I was like, Annie, I reckon it was gonna, he's going to keep me waiting. So we got, what they make is like outdoor clothing and their fleece, they got um, the phalanx fleece they do, sent it off to Fight Label and they lined it with the, with the fleece. So I was like, no, nice and toasty in, in the ring after my warm-up. It's just melting. Hurry <laughs> <laughs> up, Lawrence. I'm I mean, it, it wasn't even a cold night in there, to be fair, was it? It wasn't like a It wasn't cold... for you, not with that through dark fleece. <laughs> but, um, but no, I was, um, yeah. So like I, all those little minor details people probably don't think about, but that was like another key thing because I was like, by the time I get outside 
and into the ring, I would have warmed. I would have warmed up anything for like by the time I'm actually in the ring, maybe like eight minutes. Then by the time Lawrence gets in the ring, I'm looking like 15, 20 minutes. And then before the fight actually starts, another five minutes. Mm-hmm. You got the national anthem. Um. So yeah, when Lawrence keep me waiting, like, I might walk around the ring and, and doing a bit of shadow boxing here and there. And then I looked at Shane and said, "As expected," and he was like. What? And I was like, as expected, as in like he's keeping us waiting. He's like, oh yeah, 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 of course. Like, because this is what I said to him. I said, <laughs> he's going to keep me waiting. I know he will. And he did. And then obviously did his ring walk. Um, and for me, the whole night was just about staying calm. Like cool, calm, collective throughout. Comes out. Try Most rounds tries to throw like a big right hand, uh, whether that's a straight right hand. Not the first round he didn't. He first round he sort of shifts off to his right Um and I'd just walk around to my right and just trying to stay away from the right hand. And then, yeah, and then first three rounds, maybe give me one of the rounds, but being harsh on the score and you give them all to him. But for me, it was always, Shane even says it, like get past his, I think he says it at the end of the second round. He says, you know, a couple more rounds and then you'll start getting to him. And then obviously in the end, of, towards the end of the fourth round, I, I drop him with, with, with that shot. Um, so yeah, that sort of, that was my thought through the, begin it but I stayed real calm even though I was like three rounds down I've said it before in a couple of interviews like people probably thought I bottled it uh, at that point like even even yourself might have thought of like oh he's bottled this because like he's three rounds down and he doesn't look like he's trying to do anything or, or whatever um, but like I just knew the time would come and I could feel I think after the second round I even said he's fallen apart to, to Shane in the corner because I could already see him start making the mistakes when he's like falling in with his left hook and things like that and um yeah it was just about being patient and waiting for that and then obviously the fourth round he throws a left hook to the head and i drop back and for a one two don't really land much then he throws a left hook to the body and i drop back again and shift and throw throw the shot that drops him um and that sort of just turned the fight after that he was just panicking because one he was fighting out of himself he was falling apart anyway and then he's been dropped um and then obviously uh fifth round he had a point taken off and then so then he's like falling apart even more because he's like he just doesn't like engaging he doesn't back himself in close quarters so he has to hold um and if he's not knocking you out which you you, or hurting you which he wasn't then that he has no other plan b it's either knock him out with with big shots or hit him and hold um so yeah, obviously doesn't doesn't really have much more to his game. Obviously very effective at that, but when you know and you're strong enough to deal with it, you can sort of outmuscle him. And there's plenty of shots like don't really get noticed, I think, unless you really watch your back and focus, but I'm hurting him a lot. Hurt, buzz him with a couple of jabs later on in the fight. Um, short left hooks on the inside, keep dropping back and, and firing. Not enough, not throwing enough combinations. But um, yeah, and then obviously the fight unfolds the the way it did so i mean i didn't think you bottled it what did you say you bottled it oh yeah i said he's yeah so, i didn't think you <laughs> oh, and it, he's Chris. fucking blown it all <laughs> this build up and look what he's done so now i knew what, was, what i knew the score we knew the score yeah so the Three um, nil to lawrence yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't think he was gonna win them first few rounds yeah, but yeah. i yeah i didn't think that i thought you yeah i thought it's part yeah, of the plan part of the plan isn't yeah. it you know it's not the end of the world you can mm. that's not it's not essential to, you know, your strategy. Um, talk us about the shot, like the shot that drops Lawrence. Like, is that something he was working on in cameras? Is it something that he was 
plan to land. You've always been good with the left hook, especially at that sort of short range. And then tell us about the feeling of dropping the guy, you know, dropping the champion mm. uh, at that moment. What what floods your brain? Um, well, like the shot itself, like I've been working a lot and coiling up and delivering like through my hips, like with Shane, but also with Ben Carraway in my strength sessions. Obviously, Shane's drilled shots for years with me, and and every fight will work on certain shots. Um, but yeah, I think it's at the end of round three. Shane's like, you've got to start dropping back more, and then I dropped back twice that round, and the second time I I dropped back and then attack him and land the land the shot. So, you know, Shane's listening to Shane obviously works <laughs> as as me and you both know. Um, you know, uh, and. Yeah, and the, the shot itself, it was obviously Lawrence was a bit off balance and that sh like left hook him. He always dips down that way when he goes backwards as well. So I think obviously it's instinctive and you're not necessarily planning that on the pads, but where his head, the position his head's in, like it's hard to land the right hand unless you're really looping it over. And I've got a good left hook anyway. So like it, the shot selection wise, it made sense to call that shot up and sort of a lift off the floor with it. Um, similar to way a new way knocked out fault and like dropped him with that like leaping left hook. Um, then he goes down and then it wasn't until I watched it back. I thought to myself, like, who is that in there? Like looking at myself because when I'm take, remove myself from being the boxer and I'm just the kid who loves boxing, who wants to be a world champion one day. And I'm like, how's he stayed so calm? Because like, if that's me in there dropping a world champion <laughs> in his dream venue in front of all these people with an unbelievable atmosphere, how like, and all I did is like drop him and then I think I have to step over his leg or to, like adjust and walk back to the corner and just like so f calm. His discipline at that point, would you say? Like yeah, I think it's just the visualisation of me dropping him. I'd watched him getting dropped a lot by um, Savon in, in the build-up. So I visualised it a lot, and how do you watch tape? Tape. Yeah, I've got, I've got a, I have a massive board, uh, whiteboard which I write stuff on, and um, on there I've written like pros and cons, like what he's good and bad at. Uh, I've got like my morning routine on one side, other stuff and whatever, um, and then I've got um, Savon times two watching both fights because he gets dropped in both fights. So I've watched both of those fights numerous times through camps. Because one, it, Lawrence has been made into this unbeatable person because he never looked close to getting beat, which you've got to give him respect for and know his strengths, which I do because I've been in the ring with him plenty of times. But you can't make him this unbeatable person. So you've got to make humanise him by looking at both, you know, the best and worst of him. Because that's what you obviously, the, the key is to do what Savon did and also see how Savon landed those shots. And he lands a sort of a lift right hand and then Lawrence is literally going away like that, exactly the same position he was in when I dropped him. Um, so yeah, it's like you, people when they're uncomfortable, when they sort of have to fight out of themselves, they always fall back into those habits, bad habits. So looking for those little little rhythms and things you can you can gain from people. Um, so yeah, that, that was a sort of my feeling was very calm because I'd visualized it and I've seen him dropped before in as an amateur 
um, obviously against one of the best amateurs of all time in Erislandi Savon, but still, um, yeah. So it, I was weirdly calm, um, and it, I think that's why I think I just cut, just delayed all my emotion and feeling for that moment of Van and you at the end because then it just all comes out. Even after the fight, like when the bell goes, I'm like, I think I've done this, like because I'm not really thinking. Yeah, I've won that round. I'm not just focused solely on the performance. Mm. I'm not thinking, yeah, he's had this many points taken off. I've dropped him. I'm like, I think I've like won that. And I'm like half smiling, like, yeah. And then like, I'm like, okay, like, let's go and address the crowd and soak up the atmosphere regardless of the result. So I went and stand on the corner post and like, I need to soak this in because this is a memory for forever. Mm. Mm. Even if I think I've won and they stitch me up, I still need to appreciate <laughs> appreciate this moment now. And then obviously they read out the scorecards and I think that's when all that emotion throughout the fight, the build up and that sort of atmosphere sort of contained until then. And then I just let it, let it all out in that sort of in that, um, yeah, in that moment. So then you, that you get announced and you're in the ring and you've had this, this moment. And I always remember Tyson Fury saying, and Darren Barker saying it to an extent when we had him in here, that like, he actually felt, Tyson Fury anyway, felt like a bit of sadness at that point because he was like, this is my Everest. This is the pinnacle. And instantly, even in that moment of pure joy when he beat in Klitschko and whatnot, the big upset and he's a heavyweight champion of the world, he was like, fuck, like I've kind of done it now. What do I do now? Did you have any moment like that? Was there any moment where you were like, fuck me, this is the, this is the I've peaked? Or was it just pure pure joy because I know you sort of think about these things what what did you have any of those no that little devil on the shoulder at any point not on the night no because I think I've just like you you, in your head you're like knew you're gonna do it but you don't know until it's done Mm. um and you prepare for yourself to do it you don't prepare prepare to lose a lose that fight um but I'm net on the night or anything like that I didn't ever feel like God no! Now what? Like mm. of this is peak, but like I'm aware of it, and I, I even said that in the build-up. I said, "There's never going to be more pressure on me than this fight. There's never going to be more like. There's never going to be a nothing will be." And he, I said it in the ring. Like Andy Scott asked me on Sky Sports after, like, "How do you top this?" And I was like, "I don't like, which is fine, <laughs> but like, <laughs> like I don't, I don't top this." Like in that moment, I didn't yeah. think it could be topped, and I still don't think it will because it's the first anything that has that novelty of being the first is always going to be feel sort of special in its own kind of way but when it's like there's obviously other goals for me there's there's unification there's undisputed there's vegas like all these things there's monetary goals as well now you know got family um so there's new pressures and new motivations um and yeah that's sort of i never felt sad that that was it i think maybe since i might have done a couple of times like oh, really? in, in the like you just feel like like i think you 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 realize that the journey is important is the most important thing um and it's as horrible as it is it's almost enjoyable because you've always got something to strive towards but i feel like i've still got stuff to strive towards so I think in that sense, that keeps me, you know, very motivated. Like for me, if I lost my next fight, I'm just a flash in the pan. And, you know, I've had three good fights down in Bournemouth, but really there's no, 
legacy, if you want to call it, like, you know, people aren't going to remember me like they remember George or anything like that. They might not do that anyway, but it's, that's my goal is to build a bit more of a, a legacy and because stuff comes off the back of it, next jobs and, and things like that. So I don't want to be a flash in the pan. So that's my motivation at the moment. And mm. I think if I were to go and just rest on my laurels and box terrible and lose my next fight, then that's what all I'd be. And I'm very wary of that. Um, so, yeah. Mm. I, guess, I guess the difference for you is like, not many people get that moment mm. that early on. Like it was your first world title fight, etc. Mm -hmm. Like, like you, Bramwell Lane and Wembley and whatnot. It was far, far, mm. far further down the career, and you've had it kind of first to this kind of box ticked yeah. early doors, as opposed to like always just hoping to do it. Like Belly, you always hoping to do it towards the end. Yeah, you've done it early doors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in sense of it's my first world title shot. You know, I lost earlier on in my career to a split decision. I don't feel like I've had when it comes to actual fights in my career, I don't feel like it's been a roller coaster ride. In training in camps, it has, because you have bad performances or bad camps and stuff like that, but still manage to find the wins. And most of the time, other than the McCarthy fight, then, you know, since, since the Reactport fight, then most of the time, very comfortably, mm. I've been either wide points winner um, or I've stopped them. So... It's other than that McCarthy fight, which is a, a good lesson for me. Um, but yeah, so it's almost been like a steady rise, um, which I'm very fortunate about. I'm, I'm just grateful that I have achieved what I've achieved and had that night rather than think, oh, well, now what? Like, it's like, well, you've just achieved, you've got to appreciate what mm. you've just done. And because not many people in the world get to achieve that level of their dream, it being the way I did it, even who it was against, I wanted to box Lawrence as an amateur. You know, back in 2016, he was number one in the ABAs, seeded, and I was going in the ABAs. And I was like, well, he's number one, that's who I want to fight. Then he qualified for Rio, so they took him out of the ABAs. And I was like, well, I'm not going to get to fight him. I reached the final that year and uh, lost to Chev. And then turned pro, and he's like, becomes number one in Britain, British champion. And I'm like, okay, well, that's the, that's, I'm not there yet, but that's the level I want to get to. And it's almost like someone was always, I'm not very spiritual or anything, but it's like someone was always pulling strings. So I don't fight Lawrence because then he joins the gym. But then I finally get to fight him for the biggest prize in, in my weight division, you know, for a world title. So it's like I've been held back from fighting him as an amateur, a low-level pro, a mid-level pro up till mm. I got to the very best stage. And before all those other occasions, I probably wasn't ready to fight him and ready to beat him. Whereas this time I knew I was. Um, so yeah, it feels very like the timing was was perfect and feels like everything fell into place. How, how, how much do you think like that benefited you? Because I don't know, because I haven't asked him, but he probably never looked at you the way you looked at him, certainly in the early days when he's number one in ABS and then he goes to Olympics, he's thinking about Savon and he's not thinking about you. Yeah, yeah. And the other way you, and conversely then in Change Gym, the same, he's the bigger name. So he's thinking... Bradis, whatever else, yeah, and you're yeah. thinking, always looking at Coley. And I remember- I well, wasn't when he was in the gym. No, <laughs> no, no, but you're thinking that's the level. Yeah, we, yeah, all, yeah. we all know here that he's, he's the, the world, world yeah. challenger at this point. And then in the fight week, I remember him saying, you know, I built up, I built him up to be a killer, but I got here and he's just Chris. Like, do you, how much do you think how you viewed him and what he represented 
was the key to winning. And in the same breath, is he, he's like, oh shit, it's just Chris. Like, no, fuck, like what do I well, do now? Before, the last time I sparred him, when he wasn't, when he'd come from another gym and joined Shane on a trial week, I sparred him. And it, I'm, I'm sure he'll admit it, and I bashed him up. So if he, and then after that spar, he was like, what happened? He's like, I just put you in a category of like, domestic like english really? title domestic yeah yeah no he said it yeah and yeah, he said yeah. it in interviews and stuff before he's like i just had him in a category of like the domestic fighters that weren't going to reach world level um before he sparred me and then he sparred me and he you know we pushed each other on and we learned so much and that's what i said to him in the ring after he said look he goes look at this he goes look what you've created i was like well we've done this like together i was like and we've both helped each other get to this level from the hundreds of rounds of sparring, pushing each other all the time. I said, uh, and that's quite a, a special thing, especially when you just shared 12 rounds with someone. Um, but yeah, and I think, yeah, that was a big factor of the way maybe we viewed each other. But he, maybe he took his eye off the ball a bit with, with that in terms of the way he saw me. But yeah, he, um, obviously I've, I, like I said, I'd improved a lot since he left the gym. I'd had, the Chamberlain fight was a huge learning curve for me. 12 rounds, short camp, headlining in Bournemouth. Um, I'd had the Tom McCarthy second fight where I'd had to sort of right some wrongs from the first fight. The Jojai knockout. So there's lots of things that I'd learned in, in the time he'd left the gym. Um, and yeah, and um, I just knew, knew how good he can be. Um, so that's what we were preparing for where maybe he was preparing for the I think I think I'd sparred the best version of Lawrence, but he hadn't sparred the best mm. version of me. So mm. I think that, that was probably the best way to look at it. And you end up taking comfort from knowing someone mm. in the area, almost down to the point of it he's gonna do this because we know him. Like he's gonna this is what's gonna be difficult for him, this is where he's gonna unravel. Fascinating. Mm. And also some of the things he said in the build up, like Shane knows what I'm like on fight night, like you know, he knows when it's time to fight, it's time to fight, which I disagree with because I'm that person. Like, I know I'm that person. I know when it's fight night, it's fight night and it's, I'm zoned in and nothing gets in the way. Whereas I don't think, I think a lot of the time he, he, he spars better than he fights sometimes, you mm -hmm. know, in that sense. And, you know, he's been in a lot of fights which aren't that appealing. Whereas, you know, I've always got through any rough patches in fights where he doesn't allow rough patches, which is fair enough. But that's because he's just holding and being ugly and that sort of thing. Whereas, mm. yeah, and I think all, what I had in all my all his other opponents was that experience of dealing with the holding, the clinching, um, and I think that was vital. Mm. What happens after the fight? Because um, you know, fight as we know, it's sometimes deck. It's it's not. It's totally different to what you expect. Mm. You're just back in the changing room. Yeah. Like and what then, happened? Yeah, so obviously, take us right the way through. Like, what happens after the fight to the point where you go home and you got your your tiny, you know, baby indoors, and then your dad again you come crashing back down to <laughs> yeah. earth. Yeah, and very, they keep you humble. It was very much like that. I mean, like I said, I had to walk back to change room, get in the change room. My last two fights has been all the media have been in my change room. But I walked in there and no one was in there. So I was expecting like, I think all the media yes. were, were follow, following me. And I'm like opening the door like, oh, oh. oh yeah. and there's just like an empty home football change room, which was, uh, yeah. So I just went and sat down and then obviously all the media flood in, family, um, you come in, you know, team members come in. 
um Kelbrook was in there like there's so many like like you know I remember watching Kelbrook uh win his world title and then lose it the same night mm. George won his so yeah you got all these you know people I used to love watching like George and Kelbrook in your change room and, and people like that so it's a bit of a weird one like Kelbrook's like putting me on his Snapchat story and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like this is a bit weird yeah. um because like I said like they called you out did he <laughs> <laughs> nah. uh, I don't uh I don't think he'd fancy that. Yeah, he did middleweight against Golovkin. Yeah. I rule it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so then go and get stitched up first. Um, How many stitches did you So have? I had six internal, 13 external. So I had like a little cut here on the side of my eye. And then um, a longer one through it. And then I think I had another little one in my eyebrow as well. So I think I actually had three cuts. They just did that in the changing room? You didn't have to go to no, the so you have like a medical room. So I'm in the medical room in, yeah, in, the, stadium. in the stadium, yeah, yeah. but it's like this tiny little, they just shove a couch in there and then there's like a little table to the side. Like it's, it's not, I mean, it's like that every venue. They'd, I hope not to use it most of the time, but I've had to add a few cuts now, head crashes and whatnot. And I'm in there, I'm just about to get stitched up and three of the Bournemouth players and the chief exec from AFC Bournemouth walk in. They get um, stitched up as well. <laughs> to, to, come and, to come and congratulate me. Uh, yeah, they were fighting the Saints fans. No, um, <laughs> Yeah, they come in to congratulate me, which like, you know, like these are people who I, you know, I'm as a kid, like I wanted to play for AFC Bournemouth. So it's, um, yeah, it's nice to have, have them come in, get stitched up, back to change room, press conference. Um, so then you go to the press area, do the press conference. But like all the team had gone because I was like doing bits and pieces of all over the place. And they like, obviously like uh, Shane had his, um, his, fiance and their little one back at the hotel um and then they also don't just want to hang around they want to get back there so walk out the stadium F fair play there was these two fans outside one had ripped a bet 365 poster off the wall with our faces on and got me to sign it been waiting it's oh. after in the morning like, nice. fair play to him. i was like <laughs> <laughs> i was like that's a tenner please yeah. <laughs> um so i signed that for him i was like fair play for waiting i appreciate it and then uh got the cars are gone because Mia had sent the cars off because we had to she had to relieve our babysitter at two o'clock in the morning so she'd but she'd sent the cars back at the house so I'm like I've got a car for no worries but then she's like I've got to go so we ended up getting a cab back to the hotel Mia's home looking after the little one and then go back to my hotel room right notice for any future world champion do not book the yeah, babysitter do an all nighter yeah till two o'clock <laughs> they need a lot, lot longer right? yeah. <laughs> You yeah, can't piss once you're a you, champion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to keep them waiting. Um, get back to hotel room. What sort um, of time is this? Uh, about half two-ish. Mm. Uh, did, did you want to leave? Like, I can imagine if that was me. I'd oh, like, so I just, just, be just before I left, um, walking out, I went and went back in and just looked at it all again and just like, Job done. Yeah, like mm. who we got on Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, f fair play to me. <laughs> um, yeah, took one last look. I think I was actually walking from the press conference back because, like, you walk through the concourse. I was like, this is phenomenal. Let's go and get my stuff, do my drug test, and go. Yeah, get back to hotel. George, Shane, Jake, their partners are in the room. Um, me, Rob, Ben, walk in. Ben's ordered dominoes um, and yeah, and then we just sat in the room and, and chilled and 
sort of just sat on my phone everyone's talking really not to me just to each other candy and crush just, mate i'm just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just uh waits for no one <laughs> i'm just um on my phone just just obviously just reading messages and whatever which is really nice and then yeah just munching my pizza um i think i let, then obviously rob wanted to do an interview about half four in the morning um so i did that um and then get a taxi home on the taxi actually from the venue to the hotel rob insisted that the driver saw knew who i was so he's like he's just won a world title he's, and the bloke's like cool he's like look he's like grabs the belt off me opens the belt case but look he's like that's a world title he's like well done <laughs> i couldn't be less, less bothered if maybe he was trying to get a free taxi ride Lawrence Acoli yeah. fan well, yeah. <laughs> um and then i get a taxi back from the hotel to um, usually I'd stay at the hotel but because Mia was at home with a baby and we had to fly the next morning we had to be at the airport at 10 oh. 10 a.m because we had my nutritionist wedding on the Monday so we had to fly out there on the Sunday inconsiderate of him yeah, yeah I know I know it wasn't even that flight another, week yeah. for me where was he when I was throwing up and <laughs> on the toilet all week eh? he was actually on the other end of the phone to be fair, whilst he's prepping for his wedding helping me so shout out James Moran um, he um, yeah so I'd gone home, got home at five o'clock, half five in the morning. Me and I had a text like, Frank's up, like, where are you? Come home now, we've got to catch a flight. Like, don't care, <laughs> don't care if you're a champion, yeah. basically. You're still, you're still my husband, you're still his dad. Uh, means nothing. Um, get home, she's like, I get into the bedroom, she's like, are you going to be able to sleep? I'm like, no. She's like, take him then. <laughs> so I'll take the little man. That's I've left the case in the kitchen. We're staying at her mother in law's house because she hadn't moved into a new place this point so i'm saying it my mother-in-law's and um take it into take him into the front room that like kitchen diner uh sorry kitchen lounge open the belt and show him the belt and he's got some pictures and videos of him with the belt which is nice he looked at it for about five seconds and then went and got something else which is much more exciting <laughs> more interesting um, yeah pretty much um <laughs> probably went and got my guitar case which he's obsessed with um yeah, and then get the go get the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Do you yeah. know any <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then that, yeah. that must have been an amazing so, moment. Like, that's giving me a little lump in my throat there. You and your boy at five a.m. and yeah, like, it's like about probably quarter to six in the morning at this point, and I've just won a world title eight hours before or whatever. And uh, he, he has no idea uh, what the score is. He like, does he just, not care. Yeah. He like changed my nothing. But that's the nice thing about it. You don't want to get too high in terms of like thinking that you deserve more and your one-year-old son one-year-old and one day son should worship you differently <laughs> like, yeah. he's like no you're still my dad yeah. change, change my nappy <laughs> give me a bottle sort me out um which was nice and then i managed to sleep for an hour and a half and the I missus think. as well you're yeah. awake yeah you <laughs> there you go I'm knackered. hold on I've got to be that. to be fair to her she'd packed all our bags for the holiday we we're up in at this point, she'd have to be up in probably two hours' time. She'd probably about two hours sleep at this point. So she had to... And then she knew in the morning, it's like, right, I need to check. I've got all our passports, all this. Because <laughs> I had no... I didn't care. I, I literally ordered all my clothes online for this holiday and just Classic. put them in the suitcase, in the packet still, didn't try just anything order on. them direct straight to where you're going. <laughs> yeah, straight to Marbella yeah. for the, uh, for the wedding. Dark, just the through dark full pack. Yeah, it was too, I mean, the through dark stuff's quite thick, so mm. I needed to a little bit yeah, lighter stuff. Yeah, fleece swimmers. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't, have a, I couldn't have my through dark fleece out there. It was roasting hot, but no. Where it was, where um, was it, Marbella? 
Yeah, he was getting married out in Marbella. So yeah, flew out there. So got to the airport, got stopped like 10 times at the airport. Which airport? Bournemouth. Just Bournemouth Airport, yeah. yeah. Um, thankfully, because I was carrying drugs or something. <laughs> <laughs> so many people asking for pictures, which was really nice. And I was like, "Well, oh, this is different." Um, so yeah, it was uh, a bit, bit mad to be honest. But um, yeah. yeah. So what was that like? Like instantly going away for someone else's like occasion? Um, did you not want to sort of sit <laughs> sit around and sort of see everyone yeah. and just talk it over, or? Was it good that you didn't do that and you still did it when you got back? Uh, I think it, yeah. I think it was good in a way because I think the week after that fight would have been mental in Bournemouth. Like if I'd gone out and about or gone for dinner with people and stuff, like I think you get hounded a lot more because it's a lot more recent, all that recency bias of Mm. sort of getting noticed and stuff like that. So I think it helped in a way. And then I went, flew from Marbella to my mate Stagdo in Barcelona. So I literally wasn't home. So you were trying to keep a low profile. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I literally went away for like eight days after the fight, like the Sunday to the Monday. Um, So yeah. And then, but it was always, I hadn't had any sleep. I hadn't processed anything. Done an interview on a sun lounge with Sky Sports News. You know what I mean? And then, fly out and see my mates. And they're like, You're, I haven't seen them since the fight, even though they all went to the after party, which I couldn't go to because I was too late. Um, <laughs> can't get in, mate. Sorry. <laughs> um, one in, one out. Didn't, didn't have any idea. Didn't recognise me because I had about 25 <laughs> stitches. Um, no, and then, yeah, so like, first time I see them is at, at the stag do, like, um, in Barcelona, like, would have been six days after the fight. So, um, yeah, it's good to, to see all them. They're like, Congratulations, and like, mm. but we're not here for you. So. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Really, what about stealing thunder? It's like you turned up at, the, at a wedding. Well, the wet to be. Did fair, you have your robe on? Did you walk out into the, <laughs> yeah. into the breakfast? Yeah, no, arms out. Not quite. Like, everyone was like, "Oh, we watched it in the bar on the weekend." Um, because the wedding was on the Monday, so on the Sunday I saw them Sunday night, and they were like, "Oh, we watched it last night." Like, Congratulations and stuff. Didn't know any of these people really because it's my nutritionist who's not from Bournemouth. So, oh, that's handy. Yeah, I just um. Yeah, it's, but mm. they all knew me because they'd watched me on, on TV. But it was nice. It was, uh, and then he even gave me like a little, you know, mention in his, his speech for like going out there off the back of the win and stuff, and uh, which was was nice. Um, he definitely didn't have to do that on his day. Do you know what I mean? Um, but no, I de- definitely didn't feel like I was stealing anyone's thunder. I mean, went home pretty early from the wedding because I hadn't still hadn't had any proper <laughs> sleep. I probably had about four, probably about five hours sleep in two nights. So went home early and sort of just rested and tried to enjoy the rest of the, the weekend over there with them um, in Marbella and recovered. But um, yeah, so that was a mental week from winning the world title to flying out to wedding to stag to, to home. And then, yeah. uh, mm. and then I got home on the Monday and on the Tuesday I had eight interviews to do in London and just got scooted around London for different interviews. So I just wanted to ask if you've spoken to Lawrence because... He was obviously unbelievably kind of gracious in defeat, famously so. Have you spoken to him since? Like, you gave the belt back, but you didn't have to do that, did you? Have you spoken to him or chatted to him? He's kind of gone missing a bit since the fight, was Yeah, he? he texts me the day after and said, congratulations. And he's obviously got a new number because I hadn't got it saved, but I obviously knew who it was. Congratulations, like, you know, I'm, I'm other than the eye because he had a cut eye as well. He's like, I'm, I'm really happy for you um, and your family and stuff. Um, so, yeah, it was... Um, and I just text back saying thanks, you know. Um, Who is this? 
New number, who dis? Who dis? No. Um, and yeah, I think he needs to be commended for the way he dealt with the defeat. Um, I think he took it really well. It was, was superb and not enough credits given in those situations. People always talk about like sore losers and stuff like that, but they never talk about good losers and you don't want to be a good loser, but you know what I mean? Mm. Like someone who can be so gracious in, in defeat. And I thought, um, I thought you'd done really, really well with that. Are you ready then? Have you got your feature hats on? I'll tell you what, let's have a break this... and you can put your hats on. Cool. Yeah, because it's the best one we've ever done. It actually is, so I thought we'd save the best one for this one. Regular listeners of the GGBC will know that on your first visit to the club, can you remember how you did? It was you against you. I, I think we drew. There's the regular listener. You drew. It was a draw. Uh, and that feature was called CBS, which stood for correct or bullshit. It was basically true or false. Can you remember that? I come up with you, what's, your, what's your CBS? Consistency builds success. Yeah, yours is good. Ugh. Can't be stopped. Can't be stopped. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's better. Like, that's <laughs> it's a bit before, Roy Jones, though, isn't it? Yeah. Can't be stopped, can't be... Mm, that tune. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Right, it's been done. I'll come yeah. up with something else. So we've gone... Anyway, it's correct, or bullsh- it's, it's correct or bullshit again. Right. Correct or bullshit part two with a twist. All of these questions, they're essentially true or false, correct or bullshit questions, are about people's first defence for which you're currently preparing first defence of your okay. world title. I'm yeah? glad it's not a word smash. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's not a word smash. I'm, I'm oh, yeah, great on the When I play at home. When you have a hat-trick, when okay. you come a hat-trick appearance, you get the match ball. I, well, I, get, to, I get to design the quiz. And you get a word smash. <laughs> you can quiz me in there. In a... You can do a word smash. Right, so there's 10 questions. I thought it'd be good if you drew again, so I didn't want to make, I wanted to make it even just so we can hang, so it might be two draws in a row, like Badu Jack and fucking everyone else he boxes. Right. Do you want to go first or second, Chris, as the guest? Although you're part as of the, the furniture champion. now. As the champ, yeah. I mean, I'll go second. I'll walk second. No, nice. No. I like Brutal. it. Right, it's a good one. It, it get, there's a couple of easy ones. There's a couple of dodgy ones, yeah? George. Roy Jones Jr. No. Won his first... Heard of him? Mm. Won his first world title by outpointing Bernard Hopkins to claim the IBF middleweight title. No in, way, is it? In May, on May 22nd, 1993. Who did he fight in his first defence? His first defence... Came just 84 days later and he stopped Sugarboy Malinga inside six. Ah. Is that correct? Was it Sugarboy Malinga? Is that correct <laughs> or bullshit? He Hopkins. I thought he went, was it Hopkins Tony? But it wouldn't have been 86 days later. It's bullshit. It's correct. Is it eighty-six days later? It was. It was in. That was in the August of nineteen ninety-three. Sugar Boy Malinga, Tulangi Malinga, in the sixth round after one fifty-seven. So that's a bad start. George. Good start for you. So you I usually have a bad start. Well, it's not. It's only good if I get my. Yeah, right. true. Spoken like a true champion. Shannon Briggs became the lineal heavyweight champion by defeating George Foreman by a majority decision on November the 22nd, 1997, but was beaten in his first defence when Lennox Lewis beat him in just one round four months later. Is that correct or bullshit? That's, that's BS. Pourquoi? Why? Because he didn't stop him in a round. Stopped him in fifth. It's bullshit. Yeah, well, I was going to say the fifth. One nil. Should have said that. Should have got a bonus. Yeah, he should have got a bonus point. Here we go, George. 
Another one, your era. Yep. Crawley middleweight Alan Minter, RIP, won the world middleweight title when he claimed a split decision after 15 rounds with Vito Antifermo in March 1980, 80. but lost it in the immediate rematch with the Italian just three months later. Is that correct or bullshit? So Minter wins. I thought he, I thought he, I thought he lost it to Hagler. He was Hagler last time round, wasn't it? He, yeah, he was 1980, he lost to Hagler. Is bullshit. Yes, he stopped Antifermo in the rematch, but then lost it to Hagler in the second that event. Was when, that was when the rule came in after the Hagler fight that they had to tie the chairs together. So I didn't know about this until I started working on Steve Bendel's shows with him. And all the chairs have to be tied together with cable ties. Pro and I've, I'm assuming, I've assumed that that rule was coming since that fight because everyone's chucking chairs yeah. from the mint. Because you can never, yeah, they're always tied together. Yeah, they're tied together with cable ties. I would give you a, I would have given you a bonus point for that, but then you backtracked and said, you're assuming. No, I can't give you a point for assumptions <laughs> yeah. in this game. Anyway, that's, you got your back I on the board. I've got Hagler the same year. I should definitely get a bonus point. Nah, but you got, you get bullshit. It's correct. Right. Chris, to go 2-1 up. Ricky Hatton won his first world title when he famously beat Costa Zoo at the Manchester Arena in True. June 2005. June the 4th. June the 4th, lovely. No bonus point. In his first defence, he unified against Carlos Mauser via a ninth round stoppage in Sheffield. That is BS because he boxed Mauser before that fight, didn't he? It's ah, correct. Is it? I thought Mauser was... I, yeah, see, I, I thought, thought this, he was useless when you put all those When you put all those little dates together, the Hatton dates, it's very easy to get them... I to get him mixed up, Mouse was the first defence in Sheffield. Was it? Yep. So Who was after Mouser then? Then yeah. it would have, uh, I would tell you if I had some internet connection. Lazcano, no, that was after the thing he won it. But yeah, anyway. have you seen the Hatton doc, by the way? Have you seen Not yet. Fucking great. Yeah, we were going to start watching it last night, but George's, yeah. uh, I stayed at George's last night, but his TV wasn't downloading it. Quickly. I won't he's spoil it, but he does, he does lose some money. Did you? Ooh. George is well happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he, he loses to uh, Manny Pacquiao in the end. Manny Pacquiao? Yeah. Is he? Yeah. I'll tell you oh, that for free. Yeah, Colazzo. Watch it now then. Actually, Colazzo was the one after Mauser and that was when he moved up. Mm. Right, so what's the score there? Fuck knows who cares. It's 1-1. One, one. It's one is it? 1-0, one yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's all one uh, Staying in Manchester, George. Amir Khan won the first of his world light welterweight titles by a 12-round decision over Andre Katelnik at the Manchester Evening News Arena, as it was then named. Yeah. Five months later, he made the first defence. Salita, one round. Now his promoter, and Khan won in just 46 seconds. 46 seconds? Correct or bullshit? Yeah, it was. It was that, it was that quick. Bullshit, it was 76. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Because <laughs> <you up. laughs> when you came in, I, I was going to, I changed the question. It was just going to be one in. round. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, no, unlucky, mate. Yeah, no, 76 <laughs> seconds. Give Salita some credit, mate. You made it for a minute. Uh, okay, so that's still one all. That is savage. Yeah, Chris, now you can pull ahead. The first of Floyd Mayweather's many world titles came via a famous win against Gennaro Hernandez in October of 1998. However, he never had a first defense of that belt as he vacated the super featherweight title almost immediately in order to move straight up and campaign at lightweight. Is that correct or bullshit? I'll go correct. 
bullshit. He made nine defences. <laughs> was he? I thought he was. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's what it struck me. It surprised me. Wow. Uh, lightweight Mayweather was a fucking yeah. phenomenal money. That's yeah. Maybe I was, I was maybe only boy. eight. Yeah, leave it out. Yeah, didn't even know what though. boxing was then. Yeah. Is that is that Who's one Mayweather? still? I've never heard of him. Right here we go. Here's one. Muhammad Ali. This is for you, George. Heard of him? Muhammad Ali beat another George, sec everyone's second favourite George, George Foreman in the Rumble in the Jungle to win the WBA and WBC heavyweight titles in October 1974. In his first defence, five months later, he was dropped by Chuck Wepner, but won a UD over 15 rounds. Correct or bullshit? Chuck Wepner, eh? Did Chuck Wepner drop Muhammad Ali? It's the question on everyone's lips. Yeah, correct. Correct? It's yeah. correct. It's correct. Well done. Well Two done. One. You just knew that fact. Yeah. That's really Thank good. Thank you. I pulled that out of the, uh, out of the locker. Now, this is a good one for you, Chris. Uh, cruiserweights. One of the best ever. Evander Holyfield lost the world heavyweight title when he was beaten by Riddick Bowe in November 1992, but regained them 12 months later in the rematch. However, in his first defence, he was stopped by Michael Mora after 1 minute 36 of round 10. What's the date? A year later, he won them back by beating Riddick Bowe. And then he had his first defence was against Michael Mora. And he was stopped by him in 136 of round 10. Sorry, what year was the, the Bowe fight? 1992. Oh, then yeah. 12 months later, 1993, November 1993, yeah, yeah. he won the belt back in his first defence, therefore, in 1994. Michael well, Mora stopped him in 136 of round 10. Correct. It's bullshit. Uh, <laughs> it was a majority decision. Uh, Did Holyfield ever get stopped? No, yeah. No, apart from getting his ear bit yeah, yeah, that's I thought that was an open goal. Yeah, I was thinking that. he definitely lost to Mora. Yeah. And that's all I was thinking. I was thinking is, bit, yeah. So you could win, you could pull ahead 3-1 here and oh. win it because it's the final two questions. Tell me. Chris Billum-Smith. That's me. Won the Commonwealth title via a 12-round split decision. I've got to make sure this is right now because you'll be all over it. That's wrong. Via <laughs> uh, 12-round split decision. Wrong. The Commonwealth title. One, I didn't win it. In, I stopped Greg Glover in five rounds. So, avoid question. I win oh, bonus points. <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> this is the correct or bullshit. Is that true? Give us a I Chris. stopped Craig Glover in. Right, wait, wait. In five rounds. Okay, let's just let's just hold it there because box rec. Uh, is, is box Don't rec play box rec. I am. I've got to tell because I I use them every day. So the Commonwealth title. Oh, you fucking beat. Hold on a sec. That was the Commonwealth Boxing Council. Yeah, which is the Oh, the same one. Okay, yeah. The question's void. And the same with the British. Oh, the EBU. Did yeah. you beat McCarthy for the EBU? Yeah. Okay. Start the question again. Yeah. Don't edit it. So, <laughs> in the first defence of the EBU title, Chris Billum-Smith stopped Dylan Bregayon in the 11th round. Is that correct or bullshit? 11th round? Yep. The first defense of the EBU title. Nah. No, no, no. That was. Is that correct or bullshit? Is that the one you boxed in Bournemouth? Is that C or B? I don't know. I don't know any of their names, but he stopped someone in Bournemouth and he knocked him the fuck out. But it wasn't the 11th round. It was earlier than that. That's bullshit. Is it not? No. <laughs> it is bullshit. <laughs> but for the wrong reasons. But it's bullshit because why, Chris? Because I, I beat him on points. He beat the Big Dylan. And on... that was after the. McCarthy after the McCarthy fight, fight and then so rematch you, you won the British title against McCarthy yeah and the European did you ever defend the British title no they stripped me bastards because it was either fight 
But it's either it was basically give up the European or the British. And obviously European, you get a sort of world ranking. Ranking, yeah, of course. So, well, guided about that. That's 3-1 because cause you, nick, you nicked in there. Go on. Yeah, go on then. Give me the last question anyway. Yeah, you'll get this one. This is because it's about you, George. George <laughs> Groves won the world super middleweight title at the fourth time of asking True. by stopping Fedor Chudinov at Bramall Lane. I was there. But he doesn't go on about it. I was there. You were here as well. His first defence, which came five months later, lasted just three rounds, correct or bullshit? That is BS because it's the fourth round. Yes. The right to the Jamie Cotton, you were there, weren't you? Wembley you... Arena, October 14th. Is that your debut? No, it's my second fight. So I was on at 5.45. Yeah. The doors weren't even open. As I ring walked to no music with my opponent at the same time, um, walked to the ring, I was like, oh, no one's here. Um, and then all my cards started coming in. Basically, I found out after they pushed past security because they knew I was in the ring, they could hear the names being announced. And all I was thinking <laughs> as I was looking at my parents, was like, I need to get their money back. Yeah. <laughs> Alexander Todorov. Yes. Todorovich. Future, Todorov, yeah. future world champion. Yeah. 5.15, they got him on. Yeah. 5.45, yeah. 5.45. What happened um, in that fight? Stopped him in about a minute and a half. It was about 2.43. Oh, Do oh, you yeah. know who the ref was? Um... George's mate, wasn't it? Mm. George's mate, Howard Foster. Premature Lovely stoppage. <laughs> Jumped in too he, early. He'd never been... He'd never been... He climbed off the floor in that fight. Yeah, well. Tod <laughs> Todorovic. He, 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 he went eight rounds with... Um, who had Foster? Odlania Solis. Oh, did he? Yeah, heavyweight. And you, do, you did the business in time. less than three minutes. Softened him up. Boom. Well, you're the winner, George. Unlucky, Chris. That means the you're now the WBO cruiserweight champion of the world. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. correct or bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> bullshit. Ask you ain't really cruiser. <laughs> <laughs> Give him eight weeks. Yeah. Or Vegas. Yeah, yeah I do want to find Vegas. What's the route to Vegas? I don't know. That's exciting. We'd happen. do a full-blown road trip there, wouldn't we? Yeah. GDBC on tour yeah absolutely yeah. get all the names yeah. Floyd Merrill be on the pod yeah he's asked a couple of times but... <laughs> yeah we've knocked him back <laughs> yeah um, doesn't like East London yeah <laughs> but yeah no I just I don't know um, I don't know what the route is to to Vegas but I'm, I'm confident in it you know I'll just, it'll find its way never thought there was never really a route to the stadium in terms of who I was going to fight or you know whatever and building building the, the fan base we sort of did the Chamberlain fight and then it just snowballed off of that um, with obviously always having that talk in mind of the stadium but yeah um, my whole career I've never really had a route plan I've just sort of taken fights there's plenty of people to fight and there's one year champion you obviously can have challengers and other belts to chase um, yeah I'm hoping there'll be a big enough name in Vegas but AFC Bournemouth have got uh, Bill Foley who owns the Las Vegas Knights as well the ice hockey team so there's a little connection there so maybe we could do a little AFCB on tour maybe they'll be out in Vegas doing their pre-season next year and I can squeeze in a fight out there at the same time so uh, there's there's little links options yeah. but, um, but yeah hockey yeah yeah do it they're, on the ice they're fighting there all the time they um yeah it's crazy sport like <laughs> i need to properly i've never properly been to a game or properly watched it but you just see like little clips now and again of them just like grabbing each other i mm. think they have to hold one hand and just that's the rules like yeah as soon as like they're on the floor sounds like a code yeah <laughs> <laughs> got you a split second there yeah <laughs> 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 you, you look boys i know all about yeah. this <laughs> i know how to defeat them <laughs> yeah it's everything isn't it job done mate um brilliant chris thank you our very first 
repeat offender comes in with his world with his belt, world belt yeah just without the belt I mean obviously but, the, the but club fame, got the belt. fame we're famous for delivering dreams really aren't we we are so mm-hmm. this is the living proof and actually we could probably cut this up remember in our Christmas our end of year review and we had to predict one person who wasn't a world champion who would end this year as the world champion I picked you can't remember who the fuck you said Shakur Stevenson or something, which was right, <laughs> I think. But I pulled you out. He, he was he was world champion last year. Though. He was, yeah. So, but I, uh, I I don't even remember that question. I picked you. Well, I, Have I you do. You recorded that I, this morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did say it was going to be against Opatia though, but it's fine. You can't you can't win them all. Who right, knows? Uh, thanks for your belief, Dick, and uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, appreciate it. Pleasure. How about that then, Deck? How about for the second time in this club? Chris Billum Smith, but for the first time as a world champion, George, what a year it's been for Big CBS. Yep, and none of it could have been achieved without his appearance on the GGBC. Yeah, he agrees with it wholeheartedly that um, it was all down to his uh, his foreboding on this podcast, George. You can't say fairer than that. I mean, there's lots of ways that you can prepare for a world title fight, and there's a lot of you know obstacles you've got to get through. And, and sure, there are other world champions out there who haven't been on our show. But let's get it straight. That was that final hurdle for him. Once he'd got over that and conquered and, and sort of become, an, you know, creme de la creme ECM. I think our message here, George, is to everyone out there, all boxers who want to win a world title, this is the place where you want to get the ball rolling. So get in touch with us. You know, we'd love to have you on. We'd love to um, be spearhead your world title charge as well. Absolutely. Um, more importantly, George, exciting times. Wednesday episodes are on the Boxing News YouTube channel. Who would have thought it when, when you opened this club a year ago? That they are, Declan. That they are. Um, you, you, uh, you're part of the furniture there now at uh, the Boxing News. Obviously, um, repping for the Boxing News. So uh, it's a it's a lovely little fit, isn't it? You haven't had to do much it didn't change much. You're already there. It's done. Uh, and now people can watch us. So I'm going to have to, you know, uh, smarten up a little bit. <laughs> Every I, week, I did think that. We have to buy some new clobber. Well, I'm I'm thinking about uniform, so <laughs> we're gonna st- same same kit every week uh, until then. And someone says, "Oh, you wear the same clothes all the time." You go, "Yeah." Don't have to worry about anything else, do I? Same. No, it's it's funny you mention um, our listener interaction because that's really where this was born out of, wasn't it? Because we had so many people on all our socials which are at GG Boxing Club on everything, saying, why aren't you on YouTube? I want to watch it on YouTube. So when you talk, we listen. That's what that's what happens in a club. Um, yep. So job done. We've delivered for you. Yep. You can watch us now. If some people just prefer to listen and you get the, the audio version, shout out Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you get your podcasts, we are there. Um, and we're still going to do, do the same demands, end of show demands deck. Obviously, uh, one big thing is merch. Christmas is coming, isn't it? So we're talking merch. Merch is there on the website. If you can't find us, get on our socials, get on our link trees, you'll find the merch. If you're thinking, yeah, all right, that's easy. If I know what your socials are, tell them what the socials are, Dick. Is at GG Boxing Club. You go on the Twitter, you'll find a link tree to the merch. you can email us if you've got something longer to say at ggboxingclub at crowdnetwork.co.uk. And of course, if you're listening on audio, you can leave a review on uh, on Apple and Spotify. And of course, you can leave your thoughts on the Apple one, which we really appreciate. So keep them coming in too. 
also if you listen to all these with fancy a little bit of a break from the advertising from the ads try us on Amazon Music you can listen to the entire episode advertisement free deck can't say fairer than that no if you hate ads Amazon Music is the place well George a new era for this club has just kicked off the YouTube era Um, it's very exciting isn't it very very exciting Declan I am um, looking forward to watching the Boxing News channel grow and if it just keeps growing exponentially then um, well we've done a good job haven't we normal business how about that on Monday to look back on club member elite club member Harlem Eubanks performance against Timo Schwarzkopf in the first Brighton Eubank fight for over 30 years was you at the last one Dick? no I wasn't Eubank against Dan Sherry um, who would have thought it would have taken this long to get another Eubank boxing in Brighton but we're both going to be there and we're going to talk about it next week so I'll see you then see you then Dick. see you then Dick